you have trouble talking about your feelings, you're not alone. It's a topic that can make even the most powerful people somewhat squeamish. You're listening to Feelings Matter, where our mission is to demystify everything about emotions so that we can all get more comfortable talking about them. Join Tina and Michelle every week as we unpack a new angle on emotions, drawing upon the science of the brain and the psychology of human nature. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Feelings Matter, brought to you by Mindful Abby. I'm Michelle Stinton-Ross. And I'm Tina Schweiger. Today's topic, moving from one emotional state to another. Tina, you actually did a study as part of your master's degree program, and the results of this study are really interesting. So you want to explain to us what the study was, all, all that kind of good stuff? So there's, first of all, emotional intelligence, being aware of your emotions, being able to regulate your emotions, being able to leverage them in positive ways in your life is a skill that can be developed. Testing your level of emotional awareness and emotional skill, emotional intelligence, if you will, is hard to do. Most of that, most of the assessments are pretty locked down. You have to be certified professional to take that or you have to have a company that's purchased those assessments on your behalf or an organization an institution so that you can benchmark yourself. My goal, especially with Mindful Appy and especially with talking about feelings matter is to start making that benchmarking process more accessible to people so that they can truly understand where are, where am I now in that emotional intelligence process and where do I want to be and how do I get there? There's a lot of discovery that we all need to do. It's a very emerging field, if you will. Mm -hmm. So as part of my master's degree, I was tasked to write a psychometrical assessment. Psychometrics is taking a questionnaire or a test and administering the test and then scoring the test and giving an interpretive result based on the scores. I chose emotional awareness to begin thinking about how to write an assessment for emotional intelligence that can help you benchmark yourself. I recruited about 200 friends and family members to take my test that I wrote, and I called it Dimensions of Emotional Awareness. Personally, I feel there's different ways that you can perceive different emotions. One is being aware mentally that I have this feeling and I can assign a name to it. Another is being aware physically, like maybe a physical sensation and that you're able to tie that to an emotion or a stomach ache for stress, that there's a connection with your emotion and your body. Another is the ability, empathy, to perceive the emotional states in others. And another is emotional lens. So being aware of multiple emotions at once and being aware of when emotions change from one state to another. So my my assessment had four sections covering each one of those. It was a good proof of concept. There wasn't a lot super conclusive, as is often the case with self-report tests. The validation I did was against different states like hope and optimism. And I found an interesting correlation between the ability to perceive different emotions at once or know when an emotion is changing from one to another with a high level of optimism or people who are generally optimistic and people who are hopeful. And 
looking a little bit deeper into the research, I was able to find some literature, some studies that do show a connection between optimism and people who are optimistic having a higher level of emotional intelligence, being higher on that benchmark, if you will. So I found that to be very interesting, and it made me curious to write a new assessment and focus a little bit more on the blends and the complex perceptions of emotions uh-huh. uh, as maybe the only test that you may need to benchmark in terms of know- knowing where your skills are from an emotional intelligence perspective. Okay. That's- so what does that all mean? <laughs> yeah. What does, it, you know, what does this look like in real life? Um, <laughs> what does it look like? It, you know, understanding is like, okay, that sounded really academic, but how do okay, I actually do that? <laughs> Let's unpack that a little bit. <laughs> so I would say that if you have a tendency to look at the sunny side, if you're, you're rose-colored glasses, if you're optimistic, okay, it's likely that you have a higher emotional intelligence, your skills and social emotional competencies are higher and your ability to perceive emotions as they change from one to another and name those is more acute, is better. So it's an interesting way to benchmark it. The ways that you can improve that skill is to start naming the emotions when you see them. There's a resource, sixseconds.org, which is the website that I love. We've got what they call the plechic wheel emotions. Apologies. Somebody correct me if I'm not saying that correctly, because I'm sure I'm botching the pronunciation. And this wheel of emotions is helpful in starting to navigate what different feelings you're experiencing. For example, if I'm getting ready to give a speech on the stage in front of hundreds of people, I've only done it a couple times in my life, but I can tell you at that time, I definitely can look at this butchick sticker wheel and say that I felt apprehension bordering on fear, maybe even as deep as terror. And those three are all uh, increasing levels of intensity of the same type of feeling. I also had anticipation because there was a bit of excitement and interest as well. Looking at a resource like that can help you start pinpointing and getting practice, figuring out exactly what you're feeling. And it's probably way more than just one just or just good and bad. So how how has it applied in your life, Michelle? Public speaking, certainly for me as well. I will say that over the years, I've probably gotten up on stage and, and yammered away more than you have. Um, <laughs> yeah. At this point, I, I'm pretty fearless about that one. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, kind of, oh, that's a scary thing to have to do, that you're putting yourself out there. And, you know, that's that's the bravery of being vulnerable, right? I'm going to step out here where everybody can see me, judge me. All. So, yeah, there's usually a blend of emotion. For me, yeah. a lot of it is more, not so much that I'm afraid to get up in front of people anymore, but that I want to be sure that my audience that's listening to me that they are carving out time in their busy day to pay attention to me because they're <laughs> getting value from it. So yeah. I usually have a very high sense of responsibility. And of course, that's what drives the butterflies. So you were saying also just being aware of the physical sensation. Butterflies in the stomach always happen. Yeah. But it's not a fear thing for me anymore. It's more of that I just really want to do a good job. I have oh, a high 
reflection of my own performance. So maybe performance anxiety is what's coming across there. And I have said very often that the day that I don't feel butterflies in my stomach before I step up on stage is the day I need to stop. <laughs> because, yeah, you know, at, at that point, for whatever reason, doing a good job just doesn't matter anymore. That it didn't trigger that. And if it doesn't matter, then I really shouldn't be doing it. And that's but, a good, that's, there's similar, similar experiences, like going on a job interview. That's, mm-hmm. that would cause similar blends of emotions. Or if you're an athlete, uh, I grew up a, a competitive swimmer, you know, at the elite levels and getting up there uh, on those races, I'd feel similar blends of emotions and or asking someone out on the first date that could spark those butterflies or going on the first date. I think there's a lot of ways that you could start finding yourself in these situations and paying attention to how your feelings are showing up in more complex ways than just, oh, I want to vomit. Well, I'm you know, just getting back out in public. So I am now 14 days post my second. I am really, literally, truly, in every way, shape, or form, fully vaccinated now. Yay! Yeah, there's still an emotional experience with testing the waters and trying new things because I now feel safer that I can. There's still a little bit of anxiety. I still feel as much as I am an extrovert and I really love social situations, I thrive on them. They give me energy. But uh, that's interesting you bring that up. This combination of I'm excited, but I'm also anxious. Re-entering society after COVID and right in the middle of Mental Health Awareness Month, I am the opposite of you. I don't feel comfortable in those situations and it drains my energy. I went to one of the outdoor parties full of people who are vaccinated that you're allowed to go to without your masks now. And I had a very acute sense of social anxiety and it was situational because it's been, oh my gosh, a year since I've been in a crowd of people without masks on. There's like, oh my gosh, I don't have my mask on. This like immediate fear that sparked. And then my mind, because I'm not thriving on those situations is very panicking about, and I I found myself just like walking and just, I'm going to go sit down over here for a little bit and collect myself. So if you, you, if you find yourself in that situation, when you don't do start reentering society, it's completely normal. Absolutely. <laughs> that way myself. And I think our point with all of this is that the more we can just slow down and be mindful of what we're experiencing, the better we're going to make our way through that transition. We get, we get through these bumps in the road by just being a bit more aware. Support for this podcast comes from Mindful Happy. Your feelings matter and Mindful Happy can prove it. Try it out for free right now. Grab your phone and text the emoji that best represents how you feel to 972-480-6715. See how your feelings compare with other listeners of the Feelings Matter podcast. Again, text the emoji to 972-480-6715. And now back to the conversation with Tina and Michelle. What could somebody do to maybe start understanding what's going on in one of those situations? Give yourself a little space like I did and breathe 
and simply clear your mind for a moment. If you can give yourself, there's actually the clutch sticks wheel that I gave you as a website called six seconds. Mm-hmm. Give yourself at least like a good six seconds of a pause and check in with yourself. Wow. I am feeling and label it afraid. I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling anticipation. I'm feeling excitement. Go through a little inventory list in your mind of all the emotions you might be feeling and simply label them. Return to the activity that you're doing and you'll return with greater mindfulness and awareness. And it's less likely that those emotions that can want your attention will drive you to, I don't know, say something you shouldn't say at the party or behave, you know, in a way that you would later wish you hadn't. Or maybe just snowball out of control where you just like, I, I can't say, I can't do this. I got, mm-hmm. I've had a few situations where I'm like, mm, no, I'm going to turn around and leave, which may be, which, you know, at the end of the day, may be the smart thing to do. But at the same time, being able to slow down, give yourself a moment, breathe, gives you the space to make make better decisions. Is this, is this really so scary that I need to leave? Then let's leave. If it's not, then what's the next step? Mm-hmm. Rather than letting that overwhelming emotion snowball into something that's out of control, we're, we're backing up and being able to make choices about how we react to these emotional signals we're getting. A situation like that, if you're prone to anxiety, it could throw you into full on anxiety attack. I mean, it is a big change if you haven't gone out and been around people without masks in a crowd or like a distance crowd outside even. It's dramatic. And give yourself the permission to, what is it, the uh, the Irish goodbye? I think it's the, the ghosting. You can right. give yourself permission to do any of any and above of those things. And everyone is going to give you a pass because we're all feeling the same thing. Mm-hmm. There's a book I wanted to share with you guys called Emotional Agility. It's by Susan David. She's got a couple of really good TED Talks. We'll put a link to her website in the notes. But she's really taking it to the next level. She's a really interesting take on a PhD in psychology. She's a psychologist and has written a lovely book about how once you're able to perceive different emotions and be aware of them, you can look for her, to her book to find a roadmap to change the way that you show up in life, the way that you can reconnect with your purpose and the way that you can use the emotional states that you move through on a day-to-day basis to move your life into the direction that you want it to. So I, I highly recommend that read. That's really empowering. We were talking earlier about the differences between just being aware of that blend from one emotion to the next and actually having mood swings, which is more of the uncontrollable aspect of this. But to know that I can actually, if I start paying attention and just slowing down a little bit, that that can actually guide me into a healthier, happier life. That's, that's pretty remarkable. It is. And it's such a good tool. There's, you know, we talked earlier about that slide, like when is it normal that I'm just having a mood swing? I'm in a bad mood. And when does it slide into a place where I need some help? Mm -hmm. You know, for myself, it was the normal time of the month when women, we get our hormones, they get mixed up and you get irritable. Guys, you probably have your own perception of that. But you know, it's something we have to unfortunately deal with every month. 
uh, and then getting to the point where I realized, you know, it's not really related to that time. And I can't, I have no good reason to feel irritable right now. I have no good reason and I can't shake it. Mm-hmm. For me, that's the clue. When I get to the point where I'm not able to ground myself, observe it and move through the emotion, that's for me a signal when I need to pick up the phone and maybe book an appointment with my psychologist or you know, the doctor or whomever it is, you know, the various folks that I go to support for, for my own mental health. And it's make you feel better. It's good. It's a good thing. Well, to know that this is something that isn't going to rule my life, that the things that I'm feeling are completely normal. There, there are reasons for it. This doesn't have to be out of control and that it's okay to seek help and find a path through it. Every bit of that is empowering. Every bit of that puts us on the path to being happier and healthier and better balanced. And all because we can acknowledge that feelings matter and that we don't have to stuff them or ignore them or any of that. The other correlation with optimism with emotional blends in my study was hope. And it did occur to me as you were speaking, another thing to look out for in terms of mental health is if you ever feel like it, that there is no hope for you, that you cannot conquer this, that you're stuck, that's a definite warning sign and you need to pick up the phone immediately with one of those helplines. And as you move through your treatment, you know, work on identifying those emotions, work on naming them. And as you work on that, there is a correlation and some evidence that says that uh, it will improve your state of hope. Is there also a correlation between that level of optimism and hope with empathy? I feel like awareness and empathy are very closely tied. I would think you would think so. And I was expecting to see a correlation with empathy, but I didn't see anything meaningful with empathy. Now, there's a lot of reasons that are academic. Could have been the way I asked the questions. It could have been the way I scored it. Doesn't mean by any stretch that there isn't a connection there. I saw a very, very small one. And even with hope and optimism, it was nothing more than a point three or point, you know, closer to a point four. It's very, very small. So, you know, it just tells me that we need to live a little work to do to start uh, doing another version of that. Well, it also could be indicative of the fact that Empathy is something that you can learn, mm-hmm. whereas maybe optimist, pessimist, that's kind of how you're wired. Empathy, however, is something that can be learned. Agreed. We have to uh, plan our whole session around empathy coming up. We've got quite a <laughs> bit to unpack, and I'm really, I am frankly, really happy to know that just as we're getting this podcast really up and running and finding our groove that now, now is mental health awareness month. I feel like we we've got enough of a groove. We've got enough of things to say that hopefully we can help other people kind of connect to how much feelings matter, how they can engage with that, how it can lead to a healthier, happier life. I feel like, yeah, it seems like now is just the time for all of the things. It is the time for all of the things. Start asking questions. Start with yourself. Before we go, Tina, 
Is there any application, anything that we should be aware of as far as how this applies in the workplace? A lot of people are still work from home. I have heard from several people that their companies are actually providing bonuses, time off, all kinds of incentives for their staff to get a vaccine, but we're, we're not quite there where people can return to an office or return to a workspace. How does understanding how emotions blend from one to another, how is that going to help us as we make those types of transitions? I would say it's most important for managers and leaders in organizations to pay attention to their staff. There is a lot going on right now, and now is the time when re-entry into the workplace, re-entry into the social sphere uh, changes, uh, it's going to start piling up and those complex emotional situations are going to come up. So pay attention and be aware and be willing to ask people, what's going on? How are you feeling? How are you doing? Especially this month of Mental Health Awareness Month, make sure that every day at least pick one person on your team and ask them a very open-ended question that is, how are you doing? And wait for their honest response. If you're having a hard time getting an honest response, consider sharing a personal story of your own, and that'll probably help them feel a little bit more safe in sharing it with you. If you need to talk to somebody, if you need some help, you can reach out the NAMI helpline 1-800-950-6264 is available weekdays from 10 to 8 Eastern. If your need for help is much more immediate, you can always text NAMI, N-A-M-I, to 741-741. And that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Take care of yourself. Such a great organization, such a great resource. Take advantage of it. Don't delay. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, and have a great week.